Star Wars 7x7 episode 1918. Today we're going to talk about the Empire Magazine cover story on the rise of Skywalker and some of the reveals that have come to us as a result, so far at least. Punch it! Hey Rebel Rouser, I'm Alan Voivod and this is Star Wars 7x7. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode and yes it is Triple Force Friday. I'm a little bummed that this episode is not actually about Triple Force Friday. In previous years, if you've been a long time listener of the show, you know that I have been at the midnight events and live streaming from them in fact and making the following episode of the show about all the reveals that we get as a result of the new packaging, you know, stuff. There's always new details on the packaging that we learn about the rise, or in this case it would be the rise of Skywalker, as well as the Mandalorian and Jedi Fallen Order, but there wasn't an event at least within 150 miles of me this time around, and, you know, it's probably very much due to the late lamented Toys R Us, which is no longer a thing in the United States. In fact, the closest event might have required me to go to Ontario, Canada, as it turns out. But be that as it may, there will be updates from me in Star Wars 7x7 later on today from the Triple Force Friday stuff, because I'll be heading to stores in the morning to see what we can find. Anyway, we're going to talk about Empire Magazine instead. This is one of the things that when we reset the media calendar for the Rise of Skywalker, this was one of the big events that was going to happen in the month of October, their cover story. And so far, it is living up to the anticipation because they do have new images and they also have new and interesting reveals in the magazine as well. And I was actually very pleased with one particular aspect of it, because it kind of echoed what was in the Vanity Fair cover story on The Last Jedi. So if you cast your mind back to that one in May of 2017, one of the things they had in there, I was about to say two of the things, but one of the things is two questions <laughs> in there. Ryan Johnson talking about a, what is the most difficult thing each character could have to face in The Last Jedi? And that's something that I want to pursue as a longer conversation. And also, why is Luke on the island? Why is he there? Like, once he had the answers to those two questions, and even that first question is really, you know, seven or eight questions. What's the hardest thing for Rey? What's the hardest thing for Luke? What's the hardest thing for Kylo? Etc. Etc. Once he had the answers to those, that was where things could unfold. Well, we have sort of a similar thing happening in this Empire Magazine cover story, and Chris Terrio, who is the co-writer of the story along with J.J. Abrams, said that there were two particular questions that they were considering very strongly as they created the story of the Rise of Skywalker. So here's the first one from Chris. So the first of the questions, Terrio says, one of them is a simple one. Who is Rey? Which is a question that people not only wonder about quite literally, but wonder about in the spiritual sense. How can Rey become the spiritual heir to the Jedi? We come coming back to who is Rey and how can we give the most satisfying answer to that, not only factually, because obviously people are interested in whether there's more to be learned of Rey's story, but more importantly, who is she as a character? How will she find the courage and will and inner strength and power to carry on what she's inherited? Now, I suppose that shouldn't be a surprise, right? I mean, Rey is the actual hero protagonist of this story, and so 
you absolutely want to make sure that fans are satisfied with how things turn out with her at the end of this whole situation. But man, the pressure to stick the landing, not just on the sequel movies, but also on the nine movies of the Skywalker saga. Oh my gosh, that must be incredibly intense. (laughs) So the notion here, though, is not just that they're going to try to end with a satisfying solution for Rey, who she is, both you know, as a character and spiritually. But it seems like that also implies that they are thinking ahead to whatever is going to happen further down the timeline in the galaxy far, far away. And that could mean movies from either Benioff and Weiss or Ryan Johnson or Kevin Feige or somebody else entirely might not have anything to do with that at all because maybe they'll just start exploring that space in books and comics just like they did with the original expanded universe at the time. Don't know. But there definitely is a clear implication that it's not just about finishing the movie on the right note, but setting Rey up as a character and setting her connection to the Jedi up in such a way that it's mindful of what could happen in the future in the timeline. And as for the second question, the second one is, how strong is the Force? He says, it sounds a little simple, but actually when you get down to it, that is a sort of Zen cone that we would really meditate on. Not literally in yoga poses or anything, but like we would discuss what is the Force and how strong is the Force? Those two things were really important. And I hear that question and immediately my gut reaction is, well, how strong do you need it to be? (laughs) And I'm not thinking of that in terms of, say, you know, is it strong enough where somebody on the surface of a planet could pull a Star Destroyer down from the sky, which, of course, has happened in, you know, old video games and whatnot. But really, it's more about, gosh, it put me in mind of the interview that George Lucas did with James Cameron and where he talked about how his ideas for the sequel trilogy would have had to do with the wills, which were these little microscopic things that interacted with midichlorians and the wills were essentially the drivers in our bodies and were essentially the force themselves. And it was the midichlorians that were sort of the intermediary between people who were force sensitive and the wills as the actual kind of driving force in the galaxy. And I know a lot has been made of the notion that Lucas provided all this information and it was allegedly thrown away when they started making the sequel movies. And we know from you know previous other things that that's not exactly true. There are elements from the treatments that did make it into seven and eight. And so, Is it possible that some of it made it into nine as well? Yeah, I would imagine so. And, you know, things just kind of got, you know, picked and chosen. And in the development process, things change. I mean, Lucas's ideas about the original trilogy movies changed from draft to draft to draft. So this is not an unusual thing. And for one thing, we already know that the Force is so powerful that it can be manipulated into creating life, in particular, We have Palpatine having stimulated the midichlorians somehow in order to form the baby Anakin Skywalker inside Shmi Skywalker and from across a great distance apparently as well. So yeah, the force is pretty darn powerful, but 
how powerful do J.J. Abrams and Chris Terrio really need it to be? And I'm probably going to be ruminating on that a lot over the next few days. And, you know, we'll see if uh, something percolates. But I'd love to hear your thoughts as well. So do share them. And there's one other bit of information I want to share with you, too, from the Empire Magazine stuff, which I will share with you after the break. Stay tuned. Hey, Rebel Razor, I've made some changes to the Asteroid Belt level at patreon.com slash SW7X7, and they are all with sponsors in mind. So if you want to get the word out about your business, your product, your service to a dedicated Star Wars audience, then please check out patreon.com slash SW7X7 and look for the Asteroid Belt level for details. Again, that's patreon.com slash SW7X7. Welcome back. So there have been reports about one of the quotes that J.J. Abrams gives in the Empire Magazine cover story where he talks about how if I had done episode eight instead of Ryan Johnson, I would have done it differently. And people ran with that comment and basically made a mountain out of a molehill. And the rest of the quote says that J.J. Abrams is just as sure that if Ryan Johnson had done seven, then he would have done things entirely differently. And so it's really a non-story. It's, you know, if somebody else did Star Wars 7 by 7 I'm sure they would do it differently, right? I mean, there's nothing to it. Of course it would have been done differently. And yet, you know, I don't know why it has to turn into this big clickbait thing, but I just felt like I had to say something about it. And that is going to do it for today's episode. Thank you so much for joining me for it, as always. And may the Force be with you, wherever in the world you may be. This podcast is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox. It is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other related Star Wars items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademarks and copyright holders. May the Force be with them. All original content is copyright 2019 by Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it. At Granger, we're for the ones who specialize in saving the day and for the ones who've mastered the art of keeping business moving. We offer industrial-grade supplies for every industry with same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders, all backed by real people ready to help. So you can get the right answers and products right when you need them. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.